Hey, how about that Dodger game yesterday, huh? What'd they win? 20, 22 to one. That sounds fair. That sounds fair. I'm a Giants fan. I'm not a bitch. If you're brand new, I'm a Giants fan. But I got to give kudos because I make fun of them enough that I got to give them credit when credit's due. Amen? Hey, at least a godly man hit the uh, Grand Slam. All right? Justin Turner says. Cool. Um, If you don't like baseball, uh, there's another church down the road that doesn't like it either. yeah, we learned a lot of baseball, but I'm glad you're here. If you're here for the first time, uh, thank you so much for coming. There's a lot of great pastors, a lot of great churches in our area, um, but thank you for choosing us today. And I uh, hope, hope that you leave uh, learning something. Uh, hope that you leave understanding what deception is, because we're going to talk about that today. Uh, but first, I want to tell you, um, I, there was a meeting with our building crew yesterday. It wasn't scheduled. I just happened to notice them out there. Our builder, uh, if you don't know, we're building a new facility out there that's three times this big. This is 7,000 square feet of footprint. That one's 25. And uh, they were out there looking at the layout of the parking lot. So I saw them out there. And I didn't know who it was at first. And I went out there. I was like, hey, what are you doing at my church? Um, no. And, uh, and so anyway, they just showed me the new, what we're going to do. So we are still building. We told you that back in December. And it's a slow process because, you know, the architects are behind, the lumber's behind, the steel's behind, everything's behind. But God is never behind. Amen. That's how I know. It's, the timing is going to be perfect. Um, so I'm excited about that. Just so, again, if you're new with us, um, you can look at it on the way out on the left, the picture of it's there. Uh, my wife put in this two fire pits. <laughs> like... That's something I never would have thought of. Probably Kristen has something to do with that. So it would be like marshmallows and s'mores. And I'd be like, dude, he's preaching. Get in there, all right? Um, but that's going to be an awesome thing. So I want to tell you a little story before we get into the, the, the message today. We'll be in Joshua chapter 9. I've uh, been going through the book of Joshua where the Israelites are you know, taking the land that God had promised them. Um, you ever bought a used car? All right. I, I would ask if there's any used car salesman in the house, but are you probably too embarrassed to raise your hand? Um, because there's a stereotype, right? So if you were a Christian used car salesman, let me tell you this. Just keep doing what's right and be honest about stuff. All right? Because all, all of us know, like a used car, you, you have this idea that you're probably going to get ripped off. Well, when we bought my wife a Ford Explorer last year, it had 8,000 miles on it. We saw it online. And so we went to this, this dealership that had it. And um, we're like, okay, we're ready. We don't need the financing. We got, I can write you a check now. Let's just not, don't try to sell me stuff I don't need. Um, so we're there and we're there and we're there. And they're during the deal. There's only one other person in the dealership or like, why does this take us so long? And it's like a war of attrition. You know, they would leave and they would come back and, um, and there was not even a deal to be made with, we call them the closer, you know, where you're kind of unsure and they're like, I got the, the, the good sales guy. And so, you know, we're signing paperwork and I'm like, I got to go back to work. We've been there like an hour and a half. And they're like, well, they're detailing the car. And we're like, what's, what's going on? And finally he brings in the paperwork, you know, and he has all these highlighter marks, like sign here, sign here, sign here. And in my mind, I'm like, don't be trying to sell me nothing I don't need, bro. Like, I know that I know the deal here, and I'm not a, uh, I don't give in to peer pressure. Like, you're not going to talk me into something I don't want. Um, and so we're signing the paperwork, and we get to this little extended warranty thing. Yeah. And they already have a, somewhat of a warranty, but this, I was like, well, what is this? And it's, it's highlighted, I accept. And I'm, I'm kind of perused through it, and he's, oh, that's just an insurance that we cover. Uh, he goes, yeah, we took it off the price of the car, and then we just added it in for, you know, because we're doing you a, a favor. Anytime I use car so says we're doing you a favor, don't believe it, right? Unless he's a Christian guy or a Christian gal. Um, and so I go ahead and sign it, and I'm like, whatever, get home. And I get home, and I, and I read the fine print, and I started, I literally, Michael, started laughing in my house. I was like, dude, he totally got me. Because it was like, you know, we'll cover the theft of an item in your car if your personal insurance doesn't cover it. And I'm just reading it, laughing, going, he smoked me for 65 bucks. 
Like, you totally got me. Like, my bad. I keep this thing in my file so I can look at it and go, yep, I got deceived. And so what I did is I signed a deal with deception. That's what I did. That's the title of the message today. It's called A Deal with Deception, right? This war of attrition, this tactic to wear you out, keep you there longer so that you're just ready to sign and get out of there. Um, so the thing with deception is you don't know you're being deceived until it's too late. That's the thing. If you're hunting, whatever, you know what camouflage is. Camouflage is to make the animal you're hunting think that you're not there, okay? Fishing lures, okay? They're shiny and they're attractive without, you know, the fish thinking, hey, there's a hook in this. Um, and, and I added this, probably spanks for men and women. Like, there, it's, like there's this deception thing going on, right? Because when you pull those bad boys up, it's like opening up a can of Pillsbury dope, <laughs> you know? Like reality shows up. Got your attention now, don't I? Right? We know that's, that's what it's like. Right? There was a Chinese... That's all you're going to remember out of the whole message. Uh, you needed to laugh today. And if you didn't laugh, you just got offended. It's the smoke in the air that got my brain. Um, have some grace. You, you will never bake the same. Will you be like, poof. All right. Think about the Chinese hoax. And this, I had to look this up. Because everything online is not true. It was about the, the Chinese couple that got married, and you know, reportedly she had had hundred thousand dollars worth of plastic surgery, you know, and she was beautiful. And then they had a child, and he was like, "You cheated on me because I cannot father a child this ugly." That's what he said. Um, and, and ended up divorcing her and got the settlement. And I looked under, you know, I was like, "Is this true?" It was a hoax, but it was a funny story, right? Because you can't really change DNA. You can change what's on the outside, but you can't change on the inside. So when I signed, again, this paperwork, I unknowingly made a deal with deception. And isn't that all of us? Like every single one of us has bit the hook that the devil threw out there. Making a deal with deception is simply believing what isn't true and, and thinking it as reality. Okay, I added to the slide this morning. I was like, I got to add more to that. And thinking it to be reality, we've all done that. An example, anytime you watch the news and you believe it 100%, okay, that it's just, you, you know that if the news is saying it's probably not all true. There's a little bit of truth mixed in just to get you to believe it because the best lies are those that are closest to the truth. Okay? And so, so when the news talks, you know, whether it's Fox or CNN or whatever, I, I just say they're all lying to me. They're all giving me their slant of what, what things are what things aren't. And the first report usually isn't the whole story. If you have more than one child, you know this. Right? The one kid goes, Mom, this is what happened. And you're like, well, why did you hit him? Well, then you discover that he or she did something first. Okay, as the second child, I, this has hit home to me because my older brother could do something. I would react to it, and the parents always see the reaction. Okay? It, it took him like 50 years to realize that that's how old I am. Uh, the, the, sometimes my older brother instigated things. But, but I will be honest to you because I'm your pastor. I instigated most of it. That's just the truth of it. I instigated most of it. But typically, you see the reaction to it. So you believe the story you hear first, and then you hear the rest of the story. And then you're like, oh, okay. So I really believed you, but now that she told me her side. Oh, you didn't like what I said, so you just got to shut me down? Uh, thanks for fixing that. Yeah, yeah. Cancel culture, cancel stand. Um, I'll still yell at you. All right. So we have to be careful what we listen to. Again, the first report usually isn't the whole story. So here, here's what we need to do. We need to learn to hear people out. Okay, gather some information, all right, and then make a decision based on the knowledge of what you have. But we, we tend to believe the first thing that we hear. So there is three sides to every story. There's what, what he said happened, and then there's what she said happened, and then there's what really happened. Like, I, this, this, we just know how this works. And so when we choose 
to just believe the very first thing, a lot of times we will be wrong. Uh, I wrote down here, being a good parent is like being a good detective. Right? You have to le- learn to see through the stuff. Okay, you get to learn to see through the stuff. So, so here's where we are. If you haven't been with us, we're going through the book of Joshua. Um, Israel was led out of Egypt. They were held captive for 430 years in Egypt. Uh, Moses leads them out into the promised land. And it's about a four or five day walk. But when they get there, they're so afraid of what's in the land that they don't possess it. And because of their lack of faith and their fear, um, God has them wander in the wilderness for 40 years until the next generation um, can, can be raised up. The next generation believed that they could take the land. So 40 years into it, They've, they've already taken a couple cities, Jericho and Ai, and uh, they're now in the process of annihilating the evil people in the land of Canaan. And you're like, wow, how is that? Well, the Old Testament is very bloody. Okay, what you may not know about the Canaanites, okay, the Canaanites weren't just an average group of people. They were very, very, very wicked, very immoral. Um, and I'm not talking just a little fornication here. They were into bestiality, homosexuality. They would burn children. I mean, like, they didn't want the kids, so they'd offer this child to a god on a hot plate, uh, red, red hot. So they were very wicked. So when God said, wipe them all out, he had his reason. Okay. He had his reason. And we really don't have any business questioning God running the world the way that he wants to run it. Cause it's his. Okay. I know you want to tell other people how to drive their car. <laughs> You ever been down Eagle Road, all right? And I used to say Eagle Road at noon, but it's Eagle Road period now. Anytime you go down Eagle Road, it's crazy. That'll test your faith, it'll test your patience, all right? So there's just to annihilate all the, the people in this land to take it over. Uh, so chapter 7... Pastor Stevie preached on that, um, on the defeat of Ai, because it was a hidden sin. Okay, these men were going to go attack this little city, had about 12,000 people in it, and they're like, we got this, and, and somebody had stolen some things out of Jericho that God said, don't steal, don't take this stuff. They took it, um, and it affected everybody else, and they were defeated. Well, chapter 8, okay, because they dealt with it in chapter 7, they killed the guy and, and his family, they got it right. Chapter 8 is faith after failure, Faith after failure. You have a big failure, but God gives you a second chance. That's all of us, right? God gives you a second chance if you've accepted him as your savior. Um, so he gives a second chance in chapter 8 and when we repent and get things right with him. And now it leads us to t- chapter 9. Again, chapter 9 is a, is a picture of compromise. It's a picture of compromise. The command was to destroy all the inhabitants of the land, not make a deal with them. And they kind of forgot this thing, okay, because Gibeonites are going to come and they're going to try to make this deal with Joshua and they're going to buy into it. Uh, so after defeating Ai, a little city, chapter 8, 32 says this, because I need to tell you this. It says that Joshua got the people together. He said, they're in the presence of the Israelites. Joshua copied on stones the law of Moses, which he had written. So if you ever heard the term, well, it's not written in stone, Well, here it was, okay? He's writing in stone. This is what the law of God says. In verse 34, it says, Afterward, Joshua read all the words of the law, the blessings and the curses, just as it is written in the book of the law. There was not a word that Moses had commanded that Joshua did not read to the whole assembly of Israel. It's kind of like the flight attendant before you leave. If you fly a lot, you know the drill, right? And you don't listen, do you? Okay, safety procedure. Okay, here's the belt buckle. And you're like, yeah, whatever, I've been there, right? And here's a seat cushion in case we fall out of the sky from 33,000 feet and you have any chance of surviving. Here's the little seat cushion that's going to save you. Okay, on the asphalt, if you crash, you don't need that. So to me, it's like worthless information, right? I mean, if I'm in the ocean, I'm going to grab the first thing that floats, which is probably going to be a seat. But they still have to do it for liability reasons. And that's kind of what Joshua was doing. He was going over, guys, I know you know the law, but let's go it over one more time. What I have found, at least with me, is 
my walk with God is all about repetition because I have a really good way of forgetting that I'm supposed to be nice and I'm supposed to be kind. I'm supposed to be patient, right? Repetition is a big, big thing. So let's read Joshua chapter 9, verse 1 through 15. We'll talk about it and then we'll go on with the story. It says, now, when all the kings west of the Jordan heard about these things, they know that Israel's coming in to take the land. Those in the hill country, in the western foothills, and along the entire coast of the great sea, as far as Lebanon, the kings of the Hittites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, they came together to make war against Joshua and Israel. Now, they came to fight a battle they could not win. Okay, but they were fighting nonetheless. They were, they were going, we're going to go take these guys. But, but they knew they could win. We'll figure out that the Gibeonites, however, they were a little smarter than these guys. When the people of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and what he had done to Ai, they resorted to a ruse. They went as a delegation whose donkeys were loaded with worn-out sacks and old wineskins, cracked and mended. The men put on worn and patched sandals on their feet and wore old clothes. Sounds like our generation today. Um, and they pay a lot of money for those, all right? All the bread of their food supply was dry and moldy. Then they went to Joshua in the camp of Gilgal, and they said to him and the men of Israel, We have come from a distant country. Make a treaty with us. And the men of Israel said to the Hivites, But perhaps you live near us. How can we make a treaty with you? Well, we're your servants, they said to Joshua. And Joshua said, who are you and where do you come from? And they answered, your servants have come from a very distant country because of the fame of the Lord your God. For we have heard, okay, that's important. We have heard reports of him, all that he did in Egypt and all that he did to the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, to Sihon, king of Heshbon, and to Og, king of Bashan. Now, if you don't know who Og is, um, in our Wednesday nights, uh, which I invite you to that, we go through, we're going through the book of Genesis verse by verse. Um, Og was a king that his bed, they found his bed was 13 feet long. It's like a foot longer than my personal bed at home. Um, <laughs> 13 feet long. So he was a giant. He was one of the Nephilim. All right. He was a giant left over. So Joshua killed giants as well, um, not just David. And our elders and all these living in the country said to us, take provisions for your, for your journey. Go and meet them and say to them, we are your servants. Make a treaty with us. This bread of ours was warm when we packed it at home on the day we left to come to you. But now see how dry and moldy it is. And these wineskins were filled, uh, were new, but see how cracked they are. And our clothes and our sandals are worn out by the very long journey. Verse 14 is a key, key verse. The men of Israel sampled the provisions. They looked at the bread. They looked at stuff. But they did not inquire of the Lord. That's highlighted very heavy in my Bible. They did not inquire of the Lord. Then Joshua made a treaty of peace with them, and he let them live. And the leaders of the assembly ratified it by an oath, okay? So let's just talk about this just for a few moments. It's a picture of compromise. There's several kings, again, that gather together to fight a battle they can't win. And I will tell you that the devil can't win a battle against one of God's kids. Right? He can mess with you, but he can't win the battle because Jesus already won that. Okay? So don't think that the devil's going to defeat you because he's already been defeated. Uh, he has nothing to lose to fight you. If the devil can't get you to backslide, he will get you to be arrogant and prideful and ineffective. Okay? So, so the devil is very smart. He's very cunning. And he doesn't like you, just so you know. It's not much different when people attack your faith. Your faith will be attacked. All right? We're in a generation where uh, the, the, the word of God really isn't, it doesn't really mean much anymore to those who don't believe. Okay? Our, our world wants to define marriage as whatever it is. All right? But let me tell you guys. 
I'm just the pizza delivery person. I didn't make the pizza. I'm just going to deliver it to you. Marriage is to be between a man and a woman. That's what the word of God says. Okay, so two men, two women can't, can't be married in God's sight. They're legally, in, in a world, they might be able to. But I have to go with, with what God's word says. And we will get in trouble when we begin to okay things that God says don't do. Okay, adultery is not good. Fornication is not good. Stealing is not good. It doesn't matter what you feel about it. It matters what God's word says about it. And a lot of people will get angry at the preacher for just speaking what the word of God says. Now, if you don't believe the Bible, then just believe what you want. But we're going to talk about consequences uh, a little later because these guys are about to believe what they want and they're going to find out that they were heavily deceived. Okay? Jesus said, the world will hate you because of me. So when you stand up for God's word, don't be a jerk about it. Right? I can tell you the truth and smile. Right? It's like, I'm just delivering your pizza, man. You know, you ordered it. Okay, maybe you didn't order it, but um, you don't like the pizza. You can't blame the delivery person. All right? Now, if it's cold, you might be able to, um, but... Of course, there's no pizza delivered cold in Cuna these days. <laughs> it's all about 106 degrees when it gets to your house. <laughs> so these kings and kingdoms will be defeated. But the Gibeonites were not like these guys. The Gibeonites, I believe, must have had a wise king. They must have had a wise ruler to say, you know what? We, we've heard stories about what God did to the Egyptians. We heard stories about what happened to Ai and, and Jericho. And we kind of believe that the God that these guys are serving means business. So I'm thinking if you can't beat them... Join them, right? And so they have this idea of, well, if we just show up, they might kill us. But if we have this story, you ever have a kid come to you with a story? Like they just have this story and you're like, oh, man. And then you find out that this little deception, okay, they're, yeah, they're training, okay, for something, some sort of job where there's got to be deception. I got to be careful what I say, what occupation that could be, all right? They, they heard what God had done and they actually believed him. And we're going to see some wisdom of the Gibeonites, and we're going to see some compromise of the Israelites. In verse 3 through 6, it's important to note that the Gibeonites actually believed what they heard about God. As a matter of fact, they seemed to believe what they heard about God more than some of the Israelites did. So you have these non-believers that are non-God servers, but they believe that God is who he says he is, and he will do what he said he would do. And as a Christian, I can believe the same. That's why when I don't see things going the way that I think they should be, I say, God, I'm still yours, and I, still, I know you have my best interests in mind. So this is going to work out. It's going to work out according to your plan. Why? Because I'm going to submit myself to you. So the Gibeonites, again, they're actually acting on this belief, okay? And that's what actually is going to save them because the kings that were going to fight Israel eventually would come after Gibeon. And, and the Israelites make this deal with Gibeon, like, we'll protect you, you'll be ours. And Gibeon's like, hey, we need some help. Okay? And that's what America is to a lot of countries, okay? We're the help to a lot of countries who cannot defend themselves, but we will defend them. Why? Because they've joined allies with us. So it's pretty smart to be a friend of American military. Amen? It really is, because that's our heart as a military, is to protect people who can't protect themselves. So that's what's happening here. Think about you. You might have been like the Gibeonites. You were living in a land of sin, but you heard the good news about Jesus Christ. You heard about a God that loves you. You heard about a God that would forgive you when you asked. And you said, you know what? How I'm doing it isn't working. I'm going to believe that this God is real. And so many of you have made that decision just to follow Jesus and you left that land and you joined with, with God who now protects you, okay? So God had you in his sights before you even knew it. Isn't that good? God was with you at a lot of times that you weren't even serving him. Maybe you didn't even know he was around, but he was there because he had a plan for your life. That what you do with the good news is up to you. You have to be willing to accept it. So the Gibeonites camouflaged themselves. They presented themselves as long travelers when they were only three days away. 
Okay, but it was very smart. And here's what I said, is give them credit for creativity. Okay, you got to give them credit for their creativity. Like you, you were lost, but you didn't know it. But when you heard the good news, you accepted it. So again, later on in the story, they'll be attacked, but they'll also be protected. So they would be protected by the ones they submitted to. You know where I'm going with that? You will be protected by the one that you submit to, but you got to be submitted. All right? This is how it works out in our walk with God. Verse 7 through 15 my, my thought here is something smells fishy. <laughs> like we've come from a long ways. And, and they're like, eh. but perhaps you do live near us. They, they knew something wasn't quite right. How then can we make a treaty with you? And they're like, no, no, no. We've, we've traveled from a long distance. Okay, they're still trying to sell this. Yeah, we've been going. Because something wasn't right. You ever smelled something that wasn't right? My wife is an amazing cook. She made some fried chicken before she went to Florida to be with her daughter and a homemade potato. I mean, it was awesome. And I just, I'm eating it up. And then the day later, I walk into the house and I, did, I had this, this weird smell. Like I have a real sensitive nose and I'm, I'm smelling like something don't, something don't smell good. It's like we don't have a newborn child, so it's not a dirty diaper. It's, but it's not even that smell. It's just a weird smell. You ever smell those smells and it's just like normal? And so day goes by and then the next day I wake up, I'm like, man. Something, and I start following it. I'm like, I'm smelling, and I go to the garbage can, and it was the package, the chicken came in, was in the garbage can, and our, our garbage can doesn't overflow, we're like all meticulous about it, but it wasn't full yet, and I opened it, I was like, oh, I found it. It's like when you find your kid that messes pants, only you don't want to admit that you found it, you're like, hey, I think your kid wants to give you a kiss, and then you walk out the door, <laughs> and then you discover it. And so, and that was this, I took it out, put it out in the outside trash and, and y'all know what I'm talking about because poultry goes bad really fast and then everything was cool. Okay. Something smells fishy here. Something, something wasn't quite right. And, and they're, they're in their mind as I was when that used car sales and was like, oh, well, they took it off the price and they added it in for your protection. Uh, just as a bonus for you. Um, I, I smelt it, but I didn't deal with it. Okay, and I got took it, and that's why I laughed at myself when I got home because I'm like, that guy totally suckered me. <laughs> totally suckered me. Like, there was no wonder he had this big salesman of the year belt, like a WWF wrestler sitting on his desk. True story. <laughs> so, if he just heard me, bro, you swindled me, and you know it. Uh, get right with Jesus. You don't ever want to swindle a preacher. Okay? Right? Call down the fire of God on your dealership. Uh, no, I won't do that. Okay, I, I got over it because I was the one that signed it, right? I was the one that signed it. Pastor Stevie, you kicked the AC on for me too. We're going to get that thing programmed, so I don't care if you're hot or cold. I am I'm hot. I got my tan lights. Gives me suntan every time I preach. Well-rounded too. I have to see if you're still with me. Hopefully, I think I give my funny stuff. Picture a can of Pillsbury dough, and then you'll laugh again, right? Do that. <laughs> I got to give them credit for creativity. I love it. Okay, so here's here's what we see a lot in our world today: is what you see isn't always what is. Okay, what you watch on TV, what you read on the internet, what you—I mean, there is so much stuff out there. You don't know who to believe anymore. And here's how: what I choose, how like I don't believe any of it. I read it and go, man, there might be a hint of truth and maybe some of it, but I don't believe any of it. But I do 100% believe the word of God. And that, that's, what, that's going to be my guidepost. That's what I'm going to go off that. But what you see isn't always what is. And the failure that they made here is they looked at the deception. They looked at the samples and they looked at the shoes and the bread. They're like, yeah, it's moldy like they said. But it says, but they did not ask God about it. 
And man, when we make a big decision and we don't pray and we don't seek God about it, we're going to get ourselves in trouble. You ever done that? You're like, hey, this is a great thing. You know, if it's a job change or a move or whatever and you don't pray and say, God, I want to be right in your will. I want to be right. Uh, if you get married and you didn't pray about it, <laughs> too bad. You already you done did it. Um, I'll, I'll do some counseling for you. All right. But you got to pray about big decisions. Okay. You don't have to pray about what to have for lunch. You don't got to pray for that kind of stuff. But, you know, big decisions, you need to pray with those things. So here's some questions that we have to deal with. Number one, how do I know what's true and what's not? How do I know what's true and what's not? I got into a, a, I don't want to say debate. It was a intense conversation with a good friend of mine about the truth of things. Like, like what you see on this, well, that's not true, that's true. And I said, well, how do you know it's not true? Well, I, I look at, at, at truth.com, I think it was. <laughs> like truth.com or something like that. And, and, or Snopes, you know, anything about Snopes. I'm not believing that just the name alone sounds a little sketchy. Uh, but I asked the question, well, but because I read it on truth.com. I said, well, who's writing truth.com? Like who, who's writing that in for, who's putting that information out there? Because just because you find it online doesn't mean it's true. So you got to be careful who's actually writing. Oh yeah, this is a hundred percent true. Because again, I'm very skeptical when it comes to news in general. Just, I just don't believe it. How do I know what's true and what's not? Second question is, how can I recognize deception? Well, great questions. How do I know what's true? I, I go to God's word. What does God's word say about it? Right. What does God's word say about things? And that, that's, that's my foundation is God's word. It's not the news. It's not a news outlet. It's God's word. Uh, what's being told it has to line up with God's word for me to believe it. How can I recognize deception? Well, that is know the truth well. The more you know the truth, the more a, a lie is easy to recognize. Okay, so when you know God's word and you study God's word and you just every day you read it, read it. I've read the Bible, I don't remember how many times, but since high school, I don't believe I've missed a day of reading the word of God. The bad part with that is I have so much work to do in my life. <laughs> it's like, I wish I could just be, I'm good, God, you know, there's always something to work on. But I know what the Bible says about stuff. And, and I have, I'll have people quote a verse or, and I'm like, that's not in the Bible. They'll tell me some, well, the Bible says, no, that's not what the Bible says. And I can't, you know, say, well, it's in, you know, Numbers chapter 2, verse 3. I'm not that good. Some people can chapter and verse, they know the address. My concern is, are you living it? Because you can quote it all day, but are you living it? But I, I know the Bible so well that I know if somebody tells something, I'm like, the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible doesn't say that. And so, know the truth well. Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32, he says, if you, if, okay, big caveat, if you hold to my teaching, okay, if you do what I say, you really are my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will keep you in bondage. Because being a Christian is so not fun. Now, what the truth will what? It will set you free. Free from what? Free from sin, free from bondage, free from, free from a lot of worldly things. So back to my Ford Explorer. And, and I was ask is, what is the reputation of a typical used car salesman? Yes, yeah, not good, right? We do that. Again, if you are one, be a Christian one. Be, be, be honest with people, all right? God sees that stuff. And those of you who are Christians, if you do that, that's great. We need more people like you. But here's me. I was too trusting and too tired. And I trusted the highlighter mark that he wrote. It, it, was, it was what he wanted me to do. Instead of just giving me a blank page to say, I accept or I reject, he highlighted the I accept. So as he's programming me to sign, I accept, I accept, I accept, and all these highlights, there, I don't know, there probably had to been 15, 20 pages of probably unnecessary signatures, but he put it right in the middle, and I'm, again, I caught it, I'm like, something smells fishy here, he's like, well, no, and he gave me the explanation, I think most people probably just sign it and keep going, he, didn't, he doesn't have to explain what happened, 
But a lot of times when we're tired and there's this war of attrition, that's when we make bad decisions. Am I right? I mean, I know this. In my marriage, when I'm exhausted, tired, hungry, I am the sweetest husband to my wife. She feels so good about herself after I'm exhausted and tired and hungry and ready for bed. I mean, she just feels so loved and encouraged and positive. I'm so glad I married this guy. No, that's usually when we say stupid stuff, right? That, that's usually when we, our lips just say it and we're like, oh, no, I said it. Well, I, now that I said it, I may as well just say it. No, don't play that game. <laughs> Once you said it, shut up. Don't keep talking. Right? Well, now that we're talking about it, um, and you all know what I'm talking about. When we're tired is when temptation seems to be more tempting. Yeah. I think the devil knows this. He knows that when you're exhausted, he can get you to fall for the thing that you normally wouldn't fall for if you're rested up and spiritually strong. So it's important to, to not make you know, big decisions when you're exhausted. It's also important to get some rest, okay? to keep yourself rested. So the best way to know the counterfeit is to know the truth really well. Okay, when my wife worked at Bank of America, you know, she, she could feel fake money because she handled it all day. So, so they don't you know, say, Here, here's you know, 15 different type of fake bills, fulfill them all. No, when you handle the truth so much, when the fake comes through, you're like, yeah, something don't feel right about that. Okay, so know the truth well, and then the counterfeit uh, will show up a lot easier. So the Bible from Genesis to Revelation are stories of compromise. Okay, you have David, Jacob, Samson, King Saul, Abraham, Judas, Peter, that they all compromised in certain areas. Why? Because they made a deal with deception. They thought everything was going to be fine if they made their decision. The fault on the Israelite side here is they didn't stick to what God said to do. God said, wipe everybody out. But they did it. So they should have never really even made a deal with them. They should have said, okay, um, you know, this is not what we're supposed to do. Now, there is, in the Old Testament, there was a caveat. If there were country or nations or cities that submitted themselves to Israel, like when they were going to come wipe them out, if they're like, we will do whatever you want, and there was a submission, okay, there was a little bit of a caveat toward that. But again, Israel made this deal here without inquiring of God. And I don't know if that's one of the nations that, or one of the, the cities that God wanted wiped out. Uh, we will probably never know. But they didn't stick to what God said to do, and that will always get you in trouble. It will always get you in trouble. Uh, they weren't told to make a deal with anyone, okay? yet that's what they did. Now, on the Gibeonite side, i got to give it to them because they were smart. They wanted to be on the winning team, and their decision ended up saving them. So it actually turned out pretty good for them. So now the rest of the story. Verse 30, uh, 16 through 26. So I'm going to just paraphrase it just a little bit. Uh, so when they, when they caught up to him and Joshua was like, man, why did you guys do this? They're like, well, we didn't want to die. We didn't want to die. And they talked through this whole, this thing of, well, because you know, a lot of the Israelite army wanted to kill him. And Joshua was like, we can't. We made a promise. Okay. We made a promise to, to make a treaty. Now we got to protect him. We can't be killing him. But here's what he said. Okay. Uh, he says, why did, why did you deceive us? In verse 24, they answered Joshua, Your servants were clearly told that the Lord your God had commanded his servant Moses to give you this whole land, the land we're living in, and to wipe out all its inhabitants. Like, we, we heard this, and we know that your God is so powerful that you were actually going to do what your God said to do. And so we had to kind of make up this ruse to, to prevent that from happening. Okay, very wise. So they actually believe it. It says, we feared for our lives because of you. And that is why we did this. We are now in your hands. What, do whatever seems good and right to you. And isn't that what we should do with God? Amen. Like, God, we made a deal with you. We give you my life and I just, whatever, you, whatever seems good, Lord, I will do for you. That's what God wants. He wants that submission. 
So Joshua saved them from the Israelites because the Israelites, they were like ready to kill them. And they did not kill them. And that day he made the Gibeonites woodcutters and water carriers for the community and for the altar of the Lord at the place that the Lord would choose. And this is what they are to this day. So they became servants. But to become a servant is better than to die. Right? We'll cut your wood, we'll get your water, and everything will be cool. So it was actually kind of a win-win situation. And again, the Gibeonites would be protected from them later on. Their decision ended up saving them. I will tell you straight up today, guys, there is a heaven and there is a hell. And you decide where you go. To go to heaven, you have to accept that Jesus Christ is your Savior. You have to accept him. You have to ask for forgiveness of your sins. You have to. And I'm really glad that heaven isn't just for good people because I can't be good enough. I'm glad all I have to do is ask God to be my Savior. Okay? And so I will give you an opportunity in a bit to do that. All right, so how does this relate today? Okay. Number one, I want us to look for areas of compromise in our lives. What areas are we compromising? Maybe some things that we're like, well, this isn't bad, but it's not great. Okay, there's a lot of areas that, that can be kind of gray, but we have to go back. What does the word of God say about it? And if the Bible doesn't say anything about it, it will say something about the action, even if it's not specific. Like the Bible doesn't say, thou shalt not smoke weed. do not say that, right? But is it good for you? No. Okay. Does it say thou shalt not take heroin? No, but we kind of know it's not good for you, right? We do know it says love your wife as you love yourself. We know it says that. And it doesn't say to wives love your husband as you love yourself. So I think God's playing favorites here, girls. Right? I think it's an amen. I think God likes his little princesses, and the princes just need to get over it. But the princess is princess, right? Um, I, I, I think God has his favorites, and I think it's the female population. You know what? I'm good with that. I'm good with that, all right? That means I'm married to a princess. Not good. That makes me the prince or the king. Um, and most of the time, the servant, right? That's what we should be. Yep. So here's the deal. It doesn't matter what I believe. What matters is what's true. I can believe all kinds of things, but what matters is what's true, all right? We could, we could put out on, on, Cuna, on Cuna Must Complain. Um, oh, wait, Cuna Must Know. This, I want to start a new one. Does anybody else get sick of all the complaints? Like, I, I look at it and go, I don't even want it. Um, I deal with enough stuff. All right. It doesn't matter what I believe. It matters what I know. Okay, so we put it on and Keenan must know. And we, I don't, I'm not telling you to do this, but it would be funny. Okay, no more speeding tickets in Idaho. They just passed a law. No more, you don't get a speeding ticket anymore. How would that change our driving patterns? Oh, we would go nuts, huh? We were like, this is great. And then I'm like, man, I'm late. Heck, I'm not even late. I just want to go fast. Right? We, we, it would, you would have car accidents all over the place. Okay? So you're going 90 down the road and you're flying, there's a cop, you're like, yeah. And he turns and flips his lights on, you're like, whoa, what? And he's like, you're going 90 in a, in a 35. Yeah, but I read on Keto Must Know that you're not giving out speeding tickets. And the officer would be like, it don't matter what you believe, <laughs> give me your license and your registration, you're getting a ticket. Because okay? what you believe doesn't matter. What's true is what matters, and God's worth is 100% true. Okay? It defines all kinds of things. Number two, there's a lot of things in the world based on deception. It doesn't matter, again, what I think about it. It matters what God's word says about it. That's what truly matters. So I can have all these ideas of going, wow, God's just, he's antiquated, he's old. Um, he's old, but he's always relevant. That's what Pastor Hood, and, uh, Kristen's grandpa, used to say. He, he's, 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 yeah, God's word is old, but it's always relevant. It always matters. It has not changed, right? The rules are still the rules, and I'm thankful for that because I hate games when rules change, right? You ever, you ever been in a marriage like that where the rules change? 
I'm not asking you if you currently are because that's a very dangerous question. But if in a marriage where, where the rules change or like it was good yesterday, but today it's not. It's like, whoa, because you just don't know how to do it. God's word does not change, and I'm thankful for that. It makes it easy to follow. So there's no greater time in history to know what's going on in the world. I'm going to close with a story. It's uh, 72 pages long. No, it's just it's long. Um, it's, just, it's called The Little Boy and a Snake. A little boy was walking down a path, and he came across a rattlesnake. The rattlesnake was getting old, and he asked, Please, little boy. Can you take me to the top of the mountain? I hope to see the sunset one last time before I die. The little boy answered, No, Mr. Rattlesnake. If I pick you up, you'll bite me and I'll die. The rattlesnake said, No, I promise I won't bite you. Just please take me up to the top of the mountain. And the little boy thought about it and finally picked up the rattlesnake, took it close to his chest, and he carried it up to the top of the mountain. They sat there and they watched the sunset together. They talked about life. They talked about experience. It was so beautiful. Then the sun's, after the sunset, the rattlesnake turned to the little boy and asked, Can I go home now? I'm tired and I'm old. And the little boy said, Well, I'll take you to my house where I'll feed you and I'll put you in a warm bed. And he held him tightly to his chest and he took him down to his house. He came all the way down the mountain holding that snake carefully. The next day, the rattlesnake turned to the boy and he asked, Please, little boy, will you take me to my home now in the forest? It's time for me to leave this world and I would like to be at my home. The little boy felt that he had been safe all this time and the snake had kept his word. So he would take the snake home as he had asked him to. He carefully picked up the snake and held it close to his chest and he carried him back to the woods to his home to die. Just before he laid the rattlesnake down, the rattlesnake turned and bit him in the chest right above his heart. The little boy cried out and he threw the snake on the ground. Mr. Snake, why did you do that? Now I will die. The rattlesnake looked up at him and grinned. You knew what I was when you picked me up. And in our world, guys, we have to know what sin looks like. We have to know what deception looks like. And that's by knowing the truth. And when we think we can mess around with something that's normally dangerous, it's still dangerous. And in our world, we're accepting a lot of beliefs that are rattlesnakes. We're we're trying to just accept how everybody believes. And again, if you're not a Christian, you're going to believe how you're going to believe. But as a Christian, we can count on God's word to guide us. And we have to live it and we have to preach it and we have to be honest with what it says. It's the only chance that we have as a nation is to truly be a nation under God. I wish it was a nation that's serving God. And I pray for a revival to take place before the Lord comes back. And I think he's going to come back soon. Right? We're not guaranteed tomorrow. So areas of your life, okay, where are you compromising? Is there any? Pay attention to those. Okay? No greater time in history than to know what's going on in the world. The devil's time is short and he knows it. All right? God's return is soon. Amen? My thing is, is to be ready. The devil's whole goal is to populate hell, and he can, if he can cause you to believe that hell's not real, okay, or deceive you to thinking, well, you can be right with God and go to heaven without serving Jesus, okay, that's just a lie. It's a highlighter mark saying, sign here, all right? It's just a lie. God's word says that he is the one that's in control, and I'm going to believe this over fear. I would encourage you, who, those who, I heard a word today I never saw it before, it's called a fearaholic. You heard that? I read it in a book this morning. I was like, a fearaholic, that's a good word, right? The fearaholic is afraid of everything, okay? Afraid of everything. Well, we don't have to be afraid when Jesus is our Savior, amen? We don't have to be. So what are some areas of compromise in your life that you need to deal with, all right? You cool with me being done? It's like 12.04, you're like, what? All right? Yeah, it's only 12.04. I'm like 25 minutes short of normal. Are you cool with that? Did you learn enough? 
Please say yes, because I want to go home. All right. No, no, I want to hang out. So I have to ask you a question, okay? First of all, if you would just bow your heads with me, I just want this to be kind of a private moment, um, that if you're here today, okay, and, and I believe that there was a purpose that you were here, there's a reason that God has you here today, but if you've never given your life to Jesus, guys, I'll be straight up with you, there's heaven and there's hell, okay? The moment of your last breath is the first breath that you take in eternity, and it's either hell or it's heaven. How do we get to heaven? Well, it's really simple. We have to recognize that we're sinners, that we need a savior. That's why Jesus died on the cross, and to admit, God, I need you. I need you to ask you to forgive me my sins, that you would come into my life, be my Lord and Savior. It's that simple. And you believe that, and you say that prayer, and you become a Christian, and you get that ticket to heaven. It's that fast. But if you reject Christ, the Bible says that we pay for our own sins in hell for eternity. And that's not what God wants from us. Okay? He made it really easy to accept him and go to heaven. And if you've never made that decision, let me tell you something. You don't have to get cleaned up before you come to Jesus. You come to Jesus first, and then he cleans you up, okay? But there is a God that loves you. There is a God that is proud of you. There is a God that just wants you home, okay? There's no sin that you've committed that God won't forgive you of. The only sins that we don't get forgiven are the ones that we don't ask him to. So if you need to give your life to Jesus today, okay, I'm going to ask that you be bold and brave. It's just me and you and the Lord. If you just lift your hand up where I can see it and just hold it up for a moment. Okay, I see your hand. Okay, all right. You can put it down. Or anybody else? Okay. All right, and here's what we do at our church. We just pray it together as a family. It's just a simple prayer. But if you pray this prayer and, and, it's, and you're really serious about it, Jesus will forgive you of all your sins. He will come into your life and heaven will be your home when you die. So let's pray it together. Dear Jesus, I ask that you would forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Be my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It's that fast. Man, you just became a Christian. Amen. You became a Christian. And that's what we're about here. All right. Seeing people come to know Christ and growing as Christians. Amen. Amen. So areas of compromise. You got to just think about it when you go home. Okay. What are, what are some areas that I might be compromising in? And some, again, some might be just be gray areas. They may not be sin, but they might be close. Just look at it and go, okay, is this healthy for me? All right. Just practically, is this healthy for me? Um, anyhow. You cool with short sermons? Hey, Pastor Nathaniel is going to be preaching next week, so it's going to be good. Bro, bro, you get my extra time next week. All right? You get an extra 20 minutes. I promise you it's going to be good. So love you. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, I'd say stay cool, but that might be a lie. So just do your best. Um, Pastor Chase is back at the info booth. If you're here for the first time and you want a coffee cup, I don't know if Pastor Steve, you probably showed him, right? Get one of those. Um, think about us, pray for us, and uh, pray for our building project. But again, I'm excited about this, guys. It's going to be amazing. Um, just, it's going to be awesome. So, all right, I'll shut up. Love you. Have a great day.